0: Amen. Well, looking forward to jumping back into Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 2, taking our time through this book. Um, so much there. During a ser- uh, sermon series on Daniel, this was written around the 6th century BC. So, 26 or so hundred years ago. This is from a long time ago. And I don't know about you, but it's amazing to see the amount, how, how relevant it is to our lives today. Reading a 26-year-old, 100-year-old uh, book From the other side of the world And uh, from ancient Babylon And yet still seeing so much of its application for us Uh, The title of the series is He's got the whole world in His hands And He does God has the whole world in His hands I think that's the theme of Daniel Today we're going to talk about Seeking the wisdom of God Seeking the wisdom of God Seeking the wisdom of God In in particular over the wisdom of the world Uh, Every day we have an opportunity I think to rely on the wisdom of God Or... To turn to the wisdom of the world. We have that sort of uh, tension between those things. Will we rely on God's wisdom or will we turn to the wisdom of the world? Uh, how we spend our money, how we treat one another, do we take how we care about other people or not. Uh, whether we go to church on Sunday or not, whether we join a community group or not. Uh, when and how we pray, whether we use an opportunity to witness to someone that we know. We're, we're continually faced with questions of Will I depend upon the wisdom of God, or will I turn to the wisdom of the world? Well, we find in Daniel two, 2, so you may remember the story those who have been with us, uh, Daniel is in, ba- is in Babylon, he's been exiled from his own country, but he went through this three-year process, and he's been raised up. Found to be wiser, um, and in better shape physically than anyone else, him and his three friends in particular. Um, and we're going to see a bit of a showdown now. <laughs> a showdown between the, what this world has to offer, in terms of wisdom, And what God has to offer. A little bit of a battle between those two. And I'll give you a hint. God wins. (laughs) Alright. That shouldn't be a surprise to you. Uh, But nevertheless, we're sort of presented with this showdown. I think today is, which being community groups sign up. uh, That's an opportunity for all of us to really surround ourselves. To fill your life with the wisdom of God. To be in a group where you're going to be continually learning uh, about the wisdom of God. We're daily surrounded by the wisdom of the world. So here's an opportunity Put yourself in a place where you're learning about the wisdom of God. So we're on Daniel chapter 2. Uh, it's a long chapter. We're only going to do about half the chapter. Uh, we're kind of stopping at a weird place. Uh, we're not going to actually cover Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Which you might be saying, but that's what I want to hear about. We'll get to that, Lord willing, next week. But here we are in chapter 2. Uh, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O oh, king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation." The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't do anything half (laughs) half it. He's extreme. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Verse 7. They answered a second time and said, Let the king... "...tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation." The king answered and said, "...I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that you you can show me its interpretation." The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and was very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the king, the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O oh God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us this king, the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch. Whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said, Thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. And as I said, we'll get to the, the dream. You can always read ahead, of course, too. Uh, but we'll get to the dream, Lord willing, next week. Seek the wisdom of God over the wisdom of this world. And there's an outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along or you'd like to take notes. Um, uh, But if you'd like to just listen, you're certainly welcome to do that. We'll have on the screen an outline and the scripture itself. But uh, verses 1 through 11, uh, the wisdom of the world is limited. The wisdom of this world is limited. It shows here the futility of the world's wisdom. Nebuchadnezzar has dreams. Uh, Dreams that are so vivid... That they trouble him, he can't even sleep at night So these are, these are nightmares, or night terrors he, he can't sleep, it's a strange dream In fact, Nebuchadnezzar, everybody dreams Did you know that? Everybody's brain dreams when you sleep uh, It's not an unusual thing But he knows that this has got to be more than just a typical dream it's, it's sort of haunting him So much so that he's got to go to his magicians, enchanters and sorcerers So these are the, the best that Babylon has to offer Uh, The most educated and wisest men of Babylon, really, that he surrounds himself in the palace. And he says to them, I want you to tell me the dream and to interpret it. As you read, uh, keep in mind the Babylonians, this is their job. These Chaldeans, Uh, their livelihood is at stake. Their job is to advise the king when it comes to the gods and to do supernatural things uh, as a magician can only do. That they're supposed to be supernaturally wise. And uh, they hear the king, and because the king's command is impossible, right? I mean, they, he he wants them to tell them the actual dream, uh, and they basically stall, uh, you know, like a little kid. You know, we can't hear you. <laughs> what did you say? And they just sort of repeat, "Tell us the dream, and and we'll give you the interpretation." Um, and finally, and I love this because when you see earlier in Scripture, those of you know your Old Testament, uh, when Joseph went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh told him the dream, and then Joseph gave him an interpretation. And anyone that's read that, you may have thought, well, you know, you could kind of maybe guess, (laughs) figure that out on your own, take a guess as to what the the dream meant in that specific situation. But Nebuchadnezzar takes it to the next level. Uh, I'm not telling you the dream, because if I tell you the dream, you can just come up with any story you want. You tell me what I dreamed, and then I know you really do have supernatural power. Then, (laughs) give me the interpretation. And their answer, I love it, because it sets us up for Daniel, and really ultimately sets us up for Christ. No one could give you the dream, except the gods, and they don't dwell with man. Well, it shows us that Daniel's wisdom doesn't come because he's such a smart and educated guy or a good trickster, but it comes from God. And it sets us up for Jesus because the gods, actually the God, the one and only God, does dwell with us in the flesh, in the person of Jesus. But friends, the world claims to have a lot of wisdom. It claims to have a lot of wisdom But really, it really doesn't So you have people like these very magicians today You have astrologers uh, You have fortune tellers You have mediums You have horoscopes uh, That claim that they can tell you the future And give you all this type of stuff Uh, Most of them are a sham (laughs) Most of them are a complete, uh, completely just dishonest uh, Like Otome Brown Anyone know who Otome Brown is? Movie Ghost. Let me remember that. All right, Otome, Brown, before we go. Most of them are just really a, a sham. That's what they, they are. There might be some, and I think we get this from Scripture, that are drawing on a, something spiritual, but not something spiritually good. <laughs> so there may be some power, but I would say for the most part, like these magicians here, uh, most of it is absolutely just a sham. In fact, I, was, I saw this one article, uh, Seven Tricks That Psychics Use to BS You. Except it didn't say BS, you can imagine. But uh, here's what they do. Uh, first, they make claims that could apply to anyone. I think you must have been going through a really difficult time sometime in the recent past. <laughs> Everybody has gone through a difficult time sometime in their past. Uh, they get, they get uh, you to tell them the important info. You may have slipped up and mentioned that you're having trouble financially or with your job or whatever. And, and you give them the information and then they sort of return to that. Number three, uh, saying things that will be true for at least someone. I bet you have someone in your family right now who's struggling, uh, trying to raise a teenager. Hmm, (laughs) I don't think that's gonna be too hard. Uh, Keeping it vague, which lets you backtrack when you miss. You know, you say something and it doesn't hit right on and you sort of pull it back a little bit. Uh, Watch for subtle reactions that reveal major details. You know, if the person all of a sudden seems shocked, you know you hit on something important. Uh, looking for minor clues that reveal important info. Likely if they're wearing a wedding ring, they're married, right? That's a pretty good guess and things like that. Uh, and then, of course, learning everything that they need to know ahead of time. They can research it. They can go online and find information about you. Right? most of it is just a sham, just like these magicians here. It doesn't offer any real wisdom. But it's not just sort of people like that who try to offer us worldly wisdom. Uh, My my guess is a lot of your friends would offer you worldly wisdom about life. Hollywood loves to offer you wisdom about what life is all about. Self-help books will tell you what life is all about, tell you what you should do, tell you what the purpose of life is and how you should spend your time. And everybody loves to tell everybody how they should live. Even scientists do this. I was talking to a a guy with a PhD degree in practical sciences and engineering, and he was telling me, you know, the world, he's no longer in the science world, but when he was, he said, really, so much of it is just, guesswork. Uh, They they really don't know. Uh, They're they're trying to make a theory based on something, and they're just giving you that. I mean, they, they really don't know for certain so much of what you hear from the science world, even that is not as solid as it sounds. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the world can't offer us any wisdom, uh, certainly there is wisdom um, All people are made in the image of God And there is genuine a pursuit of truth uh, I've said this in, in different contexts But I would rather have an atheist doctor Who knows what he's doing Than a Christian doctor Who has no clue what he or she's doing Right? I mean I'd rather have somebody who actually knows what they're doing Whether they believe in God or not Whether they're a Christian or not If they know what they're doing when it comes to dealing with the, whatever the ailment is I think I'll take that person over the other So there is some wisdom, don't get me wrong but friends, the world, there is no magic bullet. There is no secret sauce of life. Nobody has the, the source of happiness in this world. None except the gods or really be God. Look instead to the wisdom of God. Look instead to the wisdom of God. See, that's the problem with the world's wisdom. Everybody is in the same limited situation. Right? Nobody has this special, we're all in the same situation. It's kinda like somebody, a fellow inmate in prison telling you how to get out, right? Well, why are you still in here then? If you know, if you know the secret to escape, why are you still in this, this uh, jail cell with me? Nobody has that wisdom. Nobody can tell you what the real purpose and meaning and what really is valuable in life if they're just in the same situation as you and me. Nobody except the God or the God. In fact, Jesus himself said this, John 3, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak, we mean himself in relation to his father, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the son of man. Jesus is saying, my testimony is coming from heaven. Nobody's ever gone to heaven and come back. They can't tell you what it's really like, but I can. There's a difference. We look to the wisdom of God. Uh, where do we see the wisdom of God, friends? Firstly, as we said, in Jesus himself. Jesus is actually called the wisdom of God. He reveals who God is. Now, God is a mystery because he's spirit. and He's eternal. But the scriptures say that Jesus came in the flesh and reveals to us what God is really like. What the love of God looks like and the mercy of God and the kindness of God. We see it in the person of Jesus. And friends, we see it in the Bible, of course. Uh, the Bible gives to us the wisdom of God. It's timeless. Uh, As we said, we're reading a 2,600-year-old book right now. Uh, It's tested over various cultures, over the face of this planet, over long, long periods of time. Lives have been changed and radically transformed uh, through the Scriptures. And it's truthful. Uh, Scriptures don't sort of just uh, stroke our ego. They speak right to the heart of the issue that we are sinners in need of a Savior who transforms us. That's where we find the wisdom of God. And friends, I would say when, uh, in our community groups, that's one of the things we want to do. We, some people say, well, you don't always need to study the scriptures in your community groups. We've decided to err on the side of studying scriptures in our community groups. Not that you won't take a week off and just have a week of fellowship or something like that. Uh, but for the most part, when we meet, we study the scriptures. Because we want to hear from the wisdom of God. What does he say about marriage and kids and work and love and death and all these different things? And one of the places perhaps we get the wisdom of God is, uh, as we'll see Daniel here, a prophetic word. Uh, the Holy Spirit leads him, He gives him a, a dream. Uh, uh, does that happen often? I would guess not, uh, but I would say this: I would never want to limit God. <laughs> He's God, He does what He wants. Uh, I would just say, keep in mind that we all dream, not every dream is God speaking to you. Your dream is just what your mind does when you're sleeping. So uh, I would guess more often than not, your dreams are just your dreams. Don't make too much of them. Can God speak to us as we we see with Daniel? Certainly, God can do what he wants. Friends, we should seek the wisdom of God over the wisdom of this world. 12 to 18, the wisdom of God is found in fellowship. I think it's interesting what happens next. What does Daniel do? Uh, Daniel uh, finds his wisdom not from this world and not from the three years of studying the Babylonian books, not from the other magicians and his friendship with them. Uh, That's not where he gets his wisdom. He gets it from God. One commentator writes, Daniel is trained in this lore, the same lore that all of these magicians are trained in. But he is able to go further, not because of his training or the reference books he shares with these Babylonian dividers, but because his God... Is a god who can reveal it to him. Again, it's a showdown. Whose wisdom is really greater? Uh, this guy Arioch, he's the commander of the army there. He comes to kill Daniel. And the fact that he sort of waits and talks to Daniel, has a little conversation with him before he kills him, probably tells you that he had uh, Daniel had a certain rapport <laughs> with him. That he wasn't just going to go kill him. He lets him know why he's there, what he's trying to do. Uh, Daniel needs to buy some time, and so he makes an appointment with the king. And he trusts that whatever's going to happen. God's going to provide. So he has faith going forward. And notice what he does next. What does he do? He goes to his three friends. He goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he asks them to pray. To seek mercy from God. That there is a sort of strength in numbers. Go to, your three, goes to his three friends and looks to them for wisdom. And now they all have a strong motive to pray. Um, they're going to be killed along with the rest. Because they're now considered part of the magicians. Even though they're really not. Uh, But they have a motive now To really get serious about prayer I think you see that around the world The the persecuted church In places uh, where Christianity is the minority And where there's an opposition to it There are churches that pray And what often happens to churches that Get a little too comfortable Because there is no real persecution Like here Is that churches tend to not put the same emphasis on prayer Daniel goes to his community group That's what he does. Why does he do that? Well, one, because they are trusted fellow believers. They share the same view of God as him. Not many people in Babylon do that, but they do. They hold to the authority of the Torah, the scriptures. They recognize that there is only one God and he is sovereign over the nations and in charge of all things and able to reveal dreams. And they are his trusted fellow believers. Another reason is that he has a burden on his chest And he needs to share it. I mean, it's not something you want to keep to yourself. We're all going to die. And I need to share this with these fellow believers. Share it with them. And it affects them because their lives are at stake as well. Perhaps he gets advice from them. It doesn't say that necessarily. But perhaps he's having a conversation with them. And they're all saying, well, let's just pray. Seek the mercy of God and see what happens. And certainly, friends, he asks them to pray with him. God loves when we pray together. He doesn't need it, by the way. God doesn't need us. It's not like God sits there and says, I can't do anything until three people start praying about this. That's not how God works. But He wants us to pray together. It's what He calls us to do. Friends, that's why why we need and we love community groups here at our church. We see it right here. That God's wisdom is found in fellowship. We're not alone. God doesn't say, okay, you're a follower of Christ, now go do this alone. Uh, You need one in fact, Daniel, Daniel is more gifted, perhaps, than any Christian you would meet, right? And he still knows he needs his three friends. In fact, in the very nature of who God is, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we see communion. Friends, something happens. Something happens when we pray, when we worship together, when we study the Word together, when we talk about God together. Something very important happens. <laughs> you can't really just put your finger on it, but there's something that happens when we do it together. In some ways there's, there's such a thing As, as good peer pressure right? We always think of peer pressure as bad But a community group is good peer pressure Helping you to be wise Helping you to make good decisions and Friends, if you did nothing more As a group than pray That would be good for you right? If you just got together with three or four people And just said, let's just pray together That would be excellent, and that would be worth it right there It would be good for your soul, it would be good for your body In fact, you may have heard this if you're not convinced that it's good for you uh, Just as one angle, Uh, obviously prayer is far more than this But uh, even from just a a psychiatric perspective (laughs) Prayer is really good for you Uh, I found this here Decades of research have shown that prayer calms stress and enhances brain function Uh, There are distinctive changes in brain activity As the mind goes into a prayerful or meditative state Uh, They found increased activity in the prefrontal cortex associated with attention span and thoughtfulness. Uh, Studies have shown that it also improves attention and planning, reduces depression and anxiety, decreases sleepiness, and protects the brain from cognitive decline associated with normal aging. Some of these benefits include lower cholesterol levels, improved sleep, reduced anxiety and depression, fewer headaches, relaxed muscles, and longer lifespans. So... People who pray live longer. That's what the studies have actually shown. And people who pray or read the Bible every day are 40% less likely to suffer from hypertension than others. Isn't that funny that God has actually put a biological, psychiatric connection between the, 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 our praying and our health? Friends, prayer, of course, is far more than that. But we pray together. Yeah, who, who is your Shadrach? When well, you have a burden, who do you go to to ask for prayer? burden? Who are your fellow disciples? Isn't it interesting Jesus didn't just choose one disciple and choose a group, and they're falling down and making mistakes and doing all this stuff together, and then helping each other up, even fight with one another, get into arguments with one another, and yet Jesus sort of calls them together. Who's your missionary team? Uh, We see that in the scriptures with Paul and his, his team. He doesn't do it by himself. He always has a team with him. Well, friends, we're missionaries. Who's your team that you're trying to reach people with? Who's your lineman, right? I know there's a game at one o'clock today, so the signups will be pretty quick. Uh, so my dad, Patriots fan for forever, even when they were terrible, said, I'm leaving at 12.45, so. <laughs> be home for the one o'clock uh, Patriots game here. But uh, in, in, in the game, in a game like football, of course, you have your team, you need your team. Uh, as I understand it, uh, Tom Brady tends to uh, buy good Christmas presents for his linemen, right? <laughs> Because they're the ones who protect him. Uh, so friends, who is your lineman? Who is your team? Daniel has a team. Who is your team? The wisdom of God leads to worship, 19 to 23. What happens next? Uh, the mystery is revealed to Daniel. It's revealed to him in a vision of the night. Uh, it doesn't go into any more detail than that. Uh, was it an angel? Uh, was it the Holy Spirit that just sort of spoke to him? Was it Jesus himself who appeared? I think we actually may see Jesus. A little later on in the book of Daniel. This is before he was born. So it's a pre-incarnation of Christ. where He appears in the furnace. But uh, what we see here. Who who, who told Daniel this? We're not told the details. Only that he has revealed the dream. And its interpretation. And his response is to praise God. (laughs) Blessed be the name of God forever. Friends don't forget to, to turn and praise God. Thank him when he answers prayer. I think of the 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus and only one of them returns to say, thank you. Be the one, be the 10% who thank God for his grace. He thanks God for a number of different things, for God's wisdom and his might, that God is wise and that he has strength, that he's the one who's in charge of the changing seasons. He's the one who raises up a king like Nebuchadnezzar and removes a king in his time. And he's the one who gives wisdom. Not only does he have wisdom, he gives wisdom to his people, he gives knowledge. In fact, he's able to, as it says here, reveal deep, hidden things. Things that no one else could know. Nebuchadnezzar, assumedly, has told this dream to nobody. Not even one of his many, many, many wives, right? He hasn't told this dream to anybody. He is keeping it a complete secret. But the light dwells with God. And he gives him this direct answer to this specific request. That what did the king actually dream? Friends, why is, worship, why is worship such an important part of our life as Christians? It's part of the wisdom of God to know and to worship God. One, because, worship, because God is worth it. <laughs> because what Daniel is saying is true. Because God is good. And he is loving. And he is saving. And he is sovereign and in control. Think of this. Nebuchadnezzar, it's not as if God sort of got caught off guard and Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and now he's got to reveal it to Daniel. Who gave the dream to Nebuchadnezzar to begin with? God has been in control of this whole situation from the start and ultimately uses it for his glory. He's the one who came in the flesh, died in our place, in the person of his son, Jesus. He cares about us. it's worthy of worship because he cares about us. He answers prayer. He works in our lives. and He leads us to his will. And also, friends, worship because it's good for us. It's actually good for our souls. It's what we were created for. We were created to worship, to know and to worship God. It's where true, lasting joy comes from. And healing actually comes out of worship. Healing from hurt and bitterness and pain. Friends, we worship because that's good for our souls. That's what we were created for. The bigger our view of God, the smaller our problems seem. In fact, Jesus said that. Don't worry about food and what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear and everything because God has that under control, friends. We recognize that God is in control. I think there's a direct connection uh, between worrying and worship. The more we worship, the bigger our view of God, the less we worry. The less we worship, the smaller our view of God, the more we think we got to take his place and the more we tend to worry. Worry is a sort of metric in our own heart and mind that reveals our trust or our lack of trust in God. Ed Welch said the problem is clear. People are too big in our lives. And God is too small. The answer is straightforward. We must learn to know that our God is more loving. And more powerful than we ever imagined. Worship is a way of coming to realize. Who God is. And to enjoy him. And so my last question for us as application here. Is how much, how much does worship play a part in your life? And, and you know this. In your own heart. I mean, how, much, how important is it for you to worship? Well, one, how important is it to worship on Sundays? Are you gathering? Are you making it a priority to gather uh, with God's people to worship? Now, obviously, you're here, so that's a good start. <laughs> uh, but I guess that's a message for those who aren't here. But are you making Sunday worship a priority? We gather for the ultimate purpose of worship, which is good for our souls, but also because God is worth it. But also, it goes beyond that. Do you worship throughout the week? Uh, worship as you go for a walk. I don't know if you guys are big walkers. I love to walk, run, whatever. Uh, worship as you walk. In God's creation, uh, worship as you read your scriptures and do devotionals or whatever you call them. There's all different names for it, but just in your own time as well. Here's a great place to worship. Some of you guys may worship. I got a picture here. This is a good place to worship, right? When you're in your car, a lot of people find that to be a great place to worship. If you're alone, you can sing as loud as you want, even if you have a terrible voice, <laughs> but use as a time to bless the name of the Lord. One recommendation. Keep your eyes open when you do it, all right? That's the one thing I would say. But yes, use that time, seize that time to worship. And certainly in our community groups, let that be a time of worship as well. Talking about the Lord, reminding each other of our salvation in Him, and talking about our union with Christ. Daniel recognizes what God has done, and he uses that as an opportunity to worship. And then fourthly, the wisdom of God leads us to outreach. Verse 24. Verse 24. Daniel then gets to work. He starts blessing others with the wisdom that God has given him. Uh, First, he goes to Ariok. Remember, that's the commander of the armies there. Uh, He's commanded to kill all the wise men. And Daniel says, don't do it. Don't kill any of the wise men. Just just wait a second. You don't have to kill anybody. I have an answer. Let me meet with the king. I can give him the interpretation. I'm sure that's a blessing for Ariok. Uh, These are probably Ariok's friends. (laughs) These are probably folks that he knows and respects and doesn't want to have to slaughter all of them because the king commanded. So it's a blessing to Ariok. And then he saves the rest of the wise men. And these guys' friends are just, they don't deserve it. I mean, they're, like I said, they're sham. Uh, they're not good guys. Uh, they're even worse. They're conniving, and, as we'll see later on in the book. But God's mercy is shown widely here. He saves their lives in relation to Daniel. And then he says, bring me to the king, and I'll interpret it so God is blessing the king as well. Uh, With this understanding We'll get to that Lord willing next week But this clarity Into what the dream is all about Friends your walk with the Lord Affects others It affects others Your your sin affects others Understand that It affects your family It affects your church family Less directly perhaps than your regular family Than your, your immediate family It affects those at your job Uh, It it sort of breaks down the culture of whatever culture you're in, at your job, or wherever it is. It breaks down a spirit of unity. Your sin affects others. And, converse to that, your faith affects others. Your walk with the Lord. That that all around you sort of get blessed (laughs) if you walk in the wisdom of God. Uh, That's one of the, again, blessings of community groups is that you get to be blessed by other people's wisdom in their walk with the Lord. Daniel's faith and his prayers, they help him to gain wisdom and ends up blessing non-believers in his life. They bless Ariok and the other magicians and even this pagan king. But as I said, keep an eye on Nebuchadnezzar as we go. Friends, are you blessing others? Are you blessing others with the wisdom of God? Uh, Your walk affects non-Christians. As you've heard me say, I think i prayed the last three weeks. I hope this is the the most evangelistic, the most... uh, this year would be one of the years we share Jesus with our community more than any other previous year. That's my hope. That's my prayer. That we bless those outside of our church. And our community groups are another place to do that, friends. That, that outreach is there, so invite someone. Invite a non-Christian friend or neighbor to your community group. Uh, absolutely. Some people say, I can't come on a Sunday morning. The lightning will strike or the roof will fall down or whatever else. Uh, but will they go to your house and maybe meet with a, a smaller group of people or who seem very real and authentic, and maybe use that as an opportunity to invite and to love people. And uh, you know, friends, there are, and I'm not gonna, I don't wanna be tear down other people, any other churches, but there are so many sick and unhealthy churches in our world, filled with self righteous people, filled with legalism, filled with sin that runs rampant and undealt with. I believe our church has so much to offer. FBC Hayworth has so much to offer. There are churches that have bad doctrine. I've spoke to people who've dealt with churches that told them, you know, you're sick because you didn't have enough faith. You know, there are churches that are just filled with, to be honest, mean people. (laughs) I don't know, there's mean people. Or churches that are filled with an insider's only mentality. If you show up, you're the outsider, you may get a little scowl and you're not really welcome into that church family. I think we as a church have so much to offer. We just let our community know. Filled with love, authenticity, and a love of the truth. Seek the wisdom of God over the wisdom of the world. Be wary of the wisdom of the world; it is futile. Wisdom comes from fellowship of God's people. It should lead us to praise and to worship God, and it should lead us to bless others. As I said, this showdown between the wisdom of God, a wisdom of the world, and Daniel's magician friends. And the wisdom of God is not even close. In fact, He saves their lives. There's a proverb that says, "Those who he who walks with the wise grows wise." It's a great message. It's a great message for teenagers, by the way. It's something to tell your, your, your kids or your grandkids all the time. You want to be a wise person, surround yourself with wise people. If you surround yourself with people who are not wise, likely you will be torn down. You'll be pulled down by them. But friends, it's not just for teenagers. For all of us, surround yourself. With the wisdom of God. Surround yourself with a group of people who love the Lord. As I look back at my life, I can actually look back and see all of different community groups, small groups, growth groups, whatever you call them, uh, way back from college. I remember a community group I was in back then that played an important part of my life. Then in seminary, a, a particular community group there had a huge life, a huge part in my life. A men's group I was involved in for many years here in Haverhill. And then even as of recently, the last couple of years, groups that I've been. I can look at those periods of life and think of the people and the impact that they have left in my own life and, Lord willing, I in their life. I, I think of the one in seminary in particular. I just think of uh, Tom and Elaine, um, who are now, uh, he's now a pastor uh, of a church in. Uh, Omaha, Nebraska Outside of Omaha, Nebraska Reaching farms And we used to meet together Kevin and Carrie Moon Kevin actually preached a sermon here Some of you guys remember that uh, They eventually bought an RV Traveled all over North America For I think two years or three years And ended up in Southern California And he does HR there somewhere uh, Kevin and Allison They stayed right there in Chicago That's where he went to seminary He became a worship pastor at a church plant That's what he's doing now uh, my friends, Jared and Kristen, who were in that group, he's now a pastor at a church in Michigan, and he and his wife now have 10 kids. 10 kids. I How many people have 10 kids? They had triplets recently. Uh, John and Karen. John is now a counselor at the Lake County Health Department counseling troubled kids. And they look back and you can see what God has done with a group of people who are looking to one another to gain the wisdom of God. And we'd be a church like that. Would you pray with me? Well, our gracious God, thank you so much for the scriptures. We do look, Lord, to you for wisdom. We recognize, Lord, that the wisdom that this world has to offer is limited. It's not that it doesn't exist. There is some wisdom. uh, But, Lord, as far as the purpose of life and clarity about many things, Lord, we look to your wisdom. From the scriptures and, and from your people. So Lord, I do pray for this year of our church family. I pray that it would be a time in which we do lean on one another for the wisdom of God, that you would bless these community groups, Lord. That many would be involved and that it would would grow deeper in their faith, but also deeper in relationship with one another. But also help us to be mindful of the outsider. Help us to be people who, like Daniel, want to impact our community. Help us, Lord, to have perhaps the most evangelistic year of our church's history this year can't do that without your grace we can't do that without your work lord so we do come looking to depend upon you our great and our merciful god thank you so much lord continue to be with us in jesus name amen Amen.